Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen. I like uh, the photo that you got. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is the Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. About everything is mental health, disability and life in general. Here with me, Kev Dillon, and my partner in crime, Lee Cabin. And now we've got two special guests today. We've got Sam from Asmark. We're a, a branch off from uh, our partners and friends, Black Country Women's Aid. And we've been trying to get you on for a while. You've been going for about two years now, Sam. Ish. Um, Just over a year and a couple of months now. We're heading into our second year. Um, so we launched on International Men's Day in 2021. And we, we've been promoting, even before you've gone, like, because Debbie and Sarah, we've had a few people who did the firewalk for you guys, and it's a great organisation. And we've got Luke on from Wild and Well. Smashed it, didn't I? Yeah. Yes, you did. I never doubted myself. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. And we're, <laughs> and we're going to be talking about both these organisations, because it's wonderful when organisations get together. You see... How can we help each other? And that's exactly what you guys have done. Yeah. But before we get into that, we're going to start with our gratitude list. I always like to start with our gratitude list, remind ourselves that even in the darkest days, we have got something to be grateful for. And me, as I say, I mean, I've got the club uh, downstairs. Last night, I was grateful to have so many good coaches. We had two clubs come over, one from uh, Junction to spar with Osmax, who's in the championships in two weeks. They had Ali come over, who's gone in the weight above. We also had Worcester come over for uh, Worcester. They lads in the Midlands final to spy of our lads. But like Lee come early, I had Christian, I had Jay, I had Dad, Josh, and all the coaches stuck in Big John, and we all worked together. So we had the sparring, then we had four lads who were fighting this weekend. So we had all bases covered from open class to up and comers to beginners, and we did it together as a team. And I'm very grateful to have a good team behind me. What are you grateful for? Oh, it's easy this week, Kev. Usually I have to think a bit more, but um, we've been doing some fundraising for my daughter for a special needs buggy. Um, and there's a, a bakery in Briley Hall called Top Crust Bakery who are who we've got through to the finals, I suppose. I don't really know what to say. Where there's that we're picking out of three people or three charities to raise money for. Um, it's on Facebook actually. So go onto Facebook on I think we shared on the Black Country Blokes and vote for my daughter. Courageous Calaros, but because that went out there, um, it's spread of a lot of a lot of awareness, mm. and we've had uh, three separate people um, come forward and want to donate money to to help her get this buggy even before that competition's finished. So, yeah, I'm thankful for those, and I will I'll name them once we've got the buggy, and and I'll send pictures and show everyone. But yeah, if you can all vote for us anyway on Top Cross Bakery, that'd be fantastic. Just get look at the link on our Facebook page. And it's just sticking up thumbs up emojis. Thumbs up emojis. And, and that's like, as simple as it is. Yeah, it? that's it. You haven't got to do anything all but that. Sam, what are you grateful for? Um, I'm grateful over the past couple of weeks. I've got to make some amazing memories with family and friends. Um, it's been beautiful. Luke, what are you grateful for, brother? I've just uh, had a lovely annual leave with my family, to be fair. We've been uh, doing a lot together and spent a lot of time, did a lot of walking. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I think I'm just grateful for kind of the opportunity to grow and develop each day, which is nice coming here and 
hearing you folks talk about what you do to fair so i'm grateful for being here at the moment and it looks at all of us in our own different way we're grateful for the people we have in our lives and we, you know and i think sometimes when we start doing the gratitude list it's well, what have i got to be grateful for and it hasn't got to be i've won the lottery i've got a new job it's the people who i share my life with mm. you know it's in that lovely i'd like to win the lottery though well, <laughs> <laughs> See you later, kids. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. You got it. We'll get a cardboard cut out of me here if we win the lottery. <laughs> so, tell us about uh, Asmark. I mean, because people who don't know about um, Black Country Women's Aid, we've had them on a fair few times now. So go have a look at our archives on either the podcast or the YouTube. But tell us about Asmark. So. I'll tell you a little bit how it, it started. So Black Country Women's Aid had supported men for nearly 25, 30 years. Mm. But the name Black Country Women's Aid, we also recognised was a huge barrier for mm. men coming forward for support. So they're putting some in some research in um, to look at what we could create for a male service and how we'd go about doing that. So hence where ASMART was created. And MARC actually stands for Male Abuse Referral Centre. So ASMART covers support for domestic abuse, sexual violence and rape and stalking for men. It is different in, in areas. So for domestic abuse, we cover Sanwell, Walsall and Dudley. And for sexual violence, we cover Sanwell, Dudley, Walsall and Wolverhampton. And for stalking, we cover across the West Midlands, which is quite a, a wide area. We also thought it was really important to actually give men a choice of who they felt comfortable speaking to. So you can speak to either a man or a, or a female. So we thought that was really essential because we want people to feel comfortable to come forward and be able to disclose such sensitive information as <clears throat> there hasn't really been that support out there for men. Um, but yeah, it's been really great in launching. I mean, what's your background, Sam, in it? Because you, this is what you specialise in, like sexual abuse and violence. So um, prior to coming to Black Country Women's Aid, I specialised in mental health. Um, I then come across to Black Country Women's Aid and worked in the refuges as a complex needs worker. From there, I went into the sexual violence service where I worked with men, women and children. And then I wandered into the Ask Mark service. I was really passionate about getting into the Ask Mark service because it was so new and it was something that was so needed. And I knew that it was going to take a lot of extensive work to really push it and get it out there. So we have done, like, we've done the standard things like professionals do, like we've done lots of briefings to professional organisations, the police, social care, um, GPs. But then we also got out into the community because we want to be out there for people to see us, to see that friendly face. And, you know, even if it's women that we're speaking to also, they may have husbands, cousins, sons, friends. We want to get that word out there that support is there for men. So we've gone into community settings and just kind of had a live back chat and let them know what the service is about. Like, you can be referred in by a professional or you can actually just give us a call and we can let you know your options and talk you through the referral process. It's really quick, simple. It can be done over the phone or, or in person. So we just wanted to make the service really transparent and accessible for everybody. Do, do you know how many referrals you're currently getting roughly? Um, it varies. Um, I'd probably say maybe last month we might have got about 46 a month 
So we do get quite a lot of referrals coming in and considering it's such a short space the service has been running for, um, it's really starting to stand on its own two feet and it just shows how much it is really needed for men. And I think it's just going to constantly be a learning curve for ourselves as well because it is new. So we're going to have to learn maybe where we can work a little bit better, how we can be that bit more transparent, how we can create more um, groups for men to come together and have that safe space. So it's going to constantly carry on with that learning curve even for ourselves for the first few years, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's it's not only, I think with, with men in particular, it's not only getting the word out there and making them realise that support is available it's getting them to it yeah i think uh i mean we've been on our journey just on mental health you know and none of us neither of us have suffered abuse or domestic abuse i think yeah. anyway no um you know just to get us talking about our mental health for both of us was a struggle so i can't imagine having that that kind of extra trauma on top of it and getting those people to talk it's amazing like how many people through the support group and then through just running a boxing club how many men have come up to me individually and said like they've suffered either sexual abuse or domestic abuse mm. and they've either carried that shame with the sexual abuse for their life or the domestic abuse from their families as a kid and then not being believed and they've taken the parents side or to their grown-ups now and their their partners are attacking them and then they haven't always had the sympathy of the law because a lot of time with the law in my experience of talking to my friends it's well what have you done to make her attack you instead of thinking well that's not right no one should be attacked anyway i think when a man hits a woman it's that is wrong when a woman hits a man well what have you done to her to make it hit you but it shouldn't be seen all that should it? it should be going this is not correct this isn't how it should be happening yeah and i completely agree and like you say there is about a lot of the shame, the stigma that people create. Like men can't talk about the feelings. Men have to be up like to a certain standards. Like only women can talk about the feelings. A man can't cry. These are the barriers that, unfortunately, it takes a time to break those down. And I, I don't know really the statistics, like you say, of a man coming forward mm. and reaching out for support after domestic abuse or sexual violence or stalking. But it possibly would be something interesting to say. Yeah. Well, I remember when Sarah came out, I might get this figure wrong now, but uh, uh, a woman who's leaving domestic abuse, it takes on average seven times, did you say? Something like that. So, yeah, so, so, so it does make you wonder how... Um, Kind of how men are do, do if men are doing the same or if, or once they've uh kind of spoke up about it are they actually i'm done and carrying you know it does make you wonder doesn't it one of the differences and, times he's got to be attacked yeah before he, before he leaves yeah and then sometimes when he does leave he hasn't got the cushion of well i've been attacked but i've still got to leave my house and my kids because sometimes the law does favor the women and it, it, it's cruel isn't it it's tough it's the law should Take the side of the innocent, not the gender. Mm. I think that'll come come round though. To be quite honest, I think it is just about having more services like Asmot, kind, yeah. kind of doing that. Because uh, as far as I'm aware, there's not many other services that do stuff countrywide to what you're you're doing now, is there? No, there isn't that many. And I think the thing with even the service of Asmot, some men will come in and it's just for a short period in the service, mm. and it is just practical advice and guidance and support that they do want. So they'll come in, they'll want that brief chat, they'll want to offload everything that they've 
been going on and they just want to know the exact people they need to speak to to get help mm. so whether that's we kind of point them in the direction of this is who you need to speak to to find about the legal services in mm. your area um that could be supportive to you or this is who you need to speak to for kind of like housing support in some instances we may be able to help with that mm. um it's just about giving someone their options and choices which is what we're all about like everyone should have be able to have that support do you feel like men are a matter of fact give me the phone number so i can fix it so i can get my house sorted my finance sorted i don't want to be fixed i don't need to be fixed i need my circumstance to be fixed sometimes i think men come in for probably less of the emotional side mm. of the support like they feel they have to deal with that initial problem and maybe that's something that may could affect them a little bit further down the line that they come back to deal with when they're ready mm. um but yeah the the engagement is very different between working with uh men and women with the support that they look for i mean it brings me up to you now because you're a counselor by trade yeah but then you've done the wild and well and we were saying like there's there's great ways of therapy there's um sitting in an office and, and talking about yeah what problems but you've gone on a, another angle haven't you of getting out into the world and finding mm -hmm. stuff to be creative out in out in open spaces yeah so i think wild and well for me is is, is my passion project so i um I started off as a counsellor quite young i was 18 funnily enough it was um jenny loves and gordon at black country women's aid that gave me a chance to go on to counseling courses it's just not heard of yeah. being 18 going to counseling courses it was a very rare occasion um and then over the years i, I was a youth worker i've worked with adults young people um regarding mental health and one of the things that i really enjoyed was working outdoors and um when i worked in schools i eventually found myself because i don't like to sit still i'm not i'm not a sit down person it's not it's not me I started taking the young people that I work with outdoors more. We used to walk around um, kind of the the school yards. If it was a high school, it was a courtyard, maybe across the field. If it was a primary school, they tend to have more like wooded areas. And that's where I found out about forest schools. Um, and I was like, oh, what is this? The old man says, oh, it's my camp fire, camp area. I was like, what? In the forest school? You, you like, in a, in a school, you like fires? <laughs> and he went, yeah, yeah, it's forest school. So I learned about forest school and became a forest school leader, which taught me certain skills about outdoor and development in that way. And then really got into like the bushcraft, which I'd say the forest school is more about learn development. Bushcraft is like your hardcore survival skills. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed doing that and teaching that. And so when I went part time in my work, I wanted to create Wild and Well and offer outdoor therapeutic opportunities to as many people as possible. I think now my youngest, young, the youngest person I work with is six. The eldest is around sixty-six. Really? So the outdoors is nice, but the outdoors it has no age limit. Mm. Everyone likes being outdoors. I remember, um, I think it was Sammy or or one of one of someone at Black Country Women's. I said, "Well, how would you do it for men? How would you change?" I went, "Not really that much difference. The program for children's got more play-based stuff, mm. but the actual skill sets like your bushcraft, your firelighting, your knife use, your your um, woodcraft." Well, that'll be more for adults anyway so then i started we started delivering this program for the men at asmark it was all about the bushcraft and those survival skills because you can link survival skills quite nicely to mental health mm. and one of my favorite ones is um you know if you're outdoor folks or anything like that but you can tell um north um east southwest using a stick in the ground and following its shadow no i didn't know that 
Yeah, if you get a long stick in the ground, stick it in the ground every 15 metres, put another marker, and it'll create an east-west line so you can find north or south. Yeah. And what I quite like about stuff like is you can link that to mental health. As you were talking about earlier about, you know, men kind of like need like things fixed, and mm. it is common among men to want to fix things. Uh, I kind of link that to direction. Mm. So, okay, so where are you going? So if you've ever done hike or anything like that, I came off Kinder Scout the other day. It's like a tw it's got a massive plateau and get lost in bogs. And it's scary. When you're lost, I think it feels scary. Mm. Whether that is physically lost, mm. mentally lost, or both, it is a terrifying experience. And with mental health in particular, it's a terrifying experience, not knowing who you are, where you are. But if you've got the tools to find out where you want to go, in the instance of hiking, map, compass, orient, find where you want to go, as soon as you've got a direction, you've got somewhere to move towards. And when you move towards something, you can feel better. And I think that is, like with what um, Sam was saying, is that the ASMARC gives you that. Mm. The ASMARC is that... It's okay, that progression, I, isn't it? You, you, yeah. you feel like you're accomplishing something and moving towards it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the, one of the nice things about doing the bushcraft stuff as well, is that if people come and do our therapeutic work, because it's a therapeutic process, not therapy, it's therapeutic you're going to go away with something anyway you're either going to go away with the opportunities to talk and i'll get mm. onto that in a moment or you go away with a new skill whether that's lighting fire by rubbing sticks together mm. whether it's lighting a fire or that's making stuff out of the woodcraft with the therapeutic side of things we do sessions where the fire is the central point mm. so for you folks here you've got boxing that's kind of the focal point it's your vehicle to move towards good mental health and for us it's the central fire point so during our sessions we'll have a lot of downtime talking around that fire fire is primal well when i used to do hypnosis i used to have a guy called nick davis used to do them he used to do like um hypnosis and he'd, he'd light a candle yeah and you would stare at the thing and then to your professional vision just went blurred and you're in a state of hypnosis just by looking at a fire so it's that yeah. same kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, what you find, And we're attracted yeah. to fire as human beings because it so can kill us, it can warm us. It's, so we naturally go, ooh. We just zone out naturally, don't we? Well, have you ever looked at the campfire and as the coals go, you get that nice dance across the coals, yeah. the red yeah. and the black, don't you? And one of the um, chaps that we work with actually commented on this, how it's really nauseous watching the coals. Mm. And stories were told around a campfire. Mm. And when you look at counselling, what counselling is, it's essentially telling a story mm. and someone hearing your story. And that's how human beings developed around a campfire telling stories. In a lot of ways, what we're doing when we do the outdoor therapies, we're stripping things back. Mm. It's not in a room, it's outdoors, so you've got that free air. And you're going back to that ancient sitting around, you know, maybe messing with the fire safely, of course, but you're feeding the fire, you're warming your hands by the fire, and then as you're doing that, you're talking mm. and we find that around the fire is where a lot of our conversations really start to happen and come alive very much naturally i think as well with with fire i used to uh, a flat years ago my first flat my wife we had an open fire in there mm. and there's something about the warmth off that fire mm. that relaxes you anyway isn't it you know that yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like when you go abroad and you feel the sun on your back you just you just feel that kind of stress drain cool, away yeah. from you yeah yeah it's, it's a different one to your radiator so i used to be a plumber so it's a bit of a different background where i am there but the, the heating from the radiator is just not the same as a fire and then you've got the sounds of the fire mm. the cackle you've there's nothing we're not when i'm teaching fire lighting skills to people i know when we've been on there with some is that there's nothing better than hearing the cackle of birch twigs mm. going 
as it starts to develop and that in itself can then become a meditative like your, the candle and hypnosis there's meditative work so we've got a comment coming that i'll just read out from uh, dr sarah bishop thank you for listening for starters um which says male survivors are much much less likely to disclose abuse due to feelings of shame relating to myths about masculinity great to see oh, let's try that again great to see awareness being raised about these issues talking about this will start to reduce the stigma well we've had people on one of our and this is why we fell in love with black country women's aid some close to our hearts andrew plant and he come on bravely told his story mm -hmm. and since then we've had other men from the community who've come on and talked about either their sexual trauma as a child as a teenager as an adult their ptsd their cptsd and it's been amazing having so many wonderful people coming on and what i've learned we've had like from the traveling community from the Sikh community from the muslim community from all from boxing community to every community everything happened in every community it's not well this sexual abuse doesn't happen in the white community or uh, domestic abuse doesn't happen in the black community everything happens everywhere and once you realize that it's not excusable However, once you realise it happens everywhere, it allows you to talk about it. And I, I, I honestly believe that. How much shame goes into an act of um, when someone takes your innocence, or when someone does something heinous to you, you already feel shameful about the act. Mm. But then when you can't communicate about it, silence becomes the enemy, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And when we can have open conversations with it being an old pal, or a coach it hasn't necessarily got to be a therapist i personally believe in sometimes if you need your hair cut in you don't go and get your gardener you go and have your hair cut by someone but if that's not for you just by getting it off your chest you're on the road to healing aren't you yeah it's it, it's a weird thing because it's like it's like if you know it's gonna sound like uh maybe a bit off it's not off topic but it's gonna sound a bit gross but let's say if you have a parasite in you yeah Mm. that parasite leeches off you it mm. takes the food and your sustenance and it drains you of your energy mm. in many ways kind of like shame is a bit like that mm. it's a bit it like a parasite it gets in very slowly mm. over time embeds itself in you the voices of self-doubt the voices of um, dissent which tell you you're not good enough and they start to take away that mental energy that you have if you call it, you can call it your mental energy your spiritual energy your chi but what's going on is that over time it's eroding your capacity to face kind of what Carl Jung called the shadow side. And I don't know if you know much about Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. Carl Jung is one of my favorite psychologists, and I think because he was a bit of a, he was a bit off the wall with his spirituality, his Jung's protege, and they split for various reasons. But Carl Jung's uh, one of his ideas, and I am sorry for my listeners who, for the listeners here, listen to me who know far more about this than I do but he had this idea of something called the shadow side everyone's got a shadow side it's all the things that may we may not like about ourselves mm. the things that we don't admit bloody hell more like an eclipse <laughs> <laughs> well that's probably not as much to put the eclipse inside and, it's, and what, what happens is that unless that shadow side is faced those demons mm. on that side we can't reach what's known as individuation we can't grow as people we can't grow as individuals and become who we want to be um and i think that's kind of what that parasite in you does it stops you having the strength to face that shadow side 
I don't use that on that board because we work quite closely in these. I think the comment that was made uh, in the comment section, like you couldn't put that any more perfect, really. I mean, that those feelings are the hardest feelings and barriers to overcoming coming forward to get support. Mm. And I think one of the things I hear the most of, I'm try to be quite careful about the language that I use because some people don't like to be called survivors and some people don't like to be called victims. But for people who have had that experience, having someone believe them, mm. like to initially tell someone and have someone believe you without any judgment in that moment could be one of the hardest things to actually overcome and it's even knowing who to talk to like you said like we've only when you think about like how long we've been launched for it's a short period of time we recognize that we have like black country women that have supported men but again that name was that barrier mm. so it it really is about raising that awareness in communities and and doing things like this to help people know that there are people out there that you can speak to it is okay to talk about your mental health like it's okay not to be okay but you know when someone does come into you in your experience uh, Sam, me i walk in now and i want to get off my chest what how, how would i be greeted if i if i come in and i'm saying about sexual trauma or uh, i'm going through domestic abuse what kind of thing would i ex expect to be met with so when you come over to you, you could either do it via phone or um you can do it by coming in a lot of the people on the first time a lot of male clients who i have worked with prefer to do it over the phone mm. and they prefer to build a little bit of a relationship and trust mm. over the phone before they'll come in to the office to to meet me face to face when you do come into the office we have these fabulous therapeutic setup rooms and we've even gone into that much thought that there's something called the trauma palette which is a palette of colors which is designed to help you feel more relaxed and calming which is kind of like greens blues and and burnt oranges so we've even decorated our rooms in these themes also because we do want to make it kind of that as relaxing and just to feel comfortable not like an interview room we want mm. someone to be able to come in sit down and feel like that, that they can talk like i don't tend to try and just to office office either because i want to be approachable like i don't want to look like that person that sits behind a screen and doesn't have those emotions or feelings or able to connect to someone so we want to look approachable we want the built building to be kind of welcoming and like when coming in this is the kind of conversations that perhaps if it was over the phone i'd let you know what to expect from the moment you walk into the building um up till you come up to our floor until you greet by myself and you go into that room so you can feel at ease for the entire kind of process of that section it depends what support people are looking for when they come in some people are looking for um but what kind of support do you offer should i say well we've got the, for sexual violence and rape you've got the option of support through court so perhaps if someone wanted to report to the police, they could be supported through that kind of process. Um, they could be supported with um, updates throughout the case. They'd be supported through court by being able to have an, the word known in the sexual violence and rape services an ISVA. So that's an independent sexual violence advisor. So in it that aspect, ISVA. yeah. So it's cut down. So an ISVA is an independent sexual violence advisor. And if you had someone that was working with children, it's known as a CHISVA, which is a children's um, independent sexual violence advisor. 
so in that kind of role that's who we are to them and that's how we'd be recognized by the police or or a court in that case but we can help kind of discuss what special measures maybe need to put in place and kind of help through that process we can be there through court with them and then we can look at kind of intervention work with them also so the intervention work that we look through it's not counselling it's basically like a good grounding to set you up for counselling so my work with someone intervention wise is kind of looking at perhaps your understanding of what trauma is like what emotions does it affect does it affect kind of like your sleeping anger are, are you even connected with your emotions do you do you actually know what you're feeling right now because a lot of people who have been through trauma don't always understand their emotions and one thing that i always like to make really clear is that i could experience trauma tomorrow and i might feel it instantly mm. but i could also put a bottle stop in that trauma and not feel it for 10 years down the line mm. but something could trigger me one day maybe a certain smell some words or, or even seeing someone and that bottle top could just fly off but i think it's important that people know both of those responses to trauma are actually completely normal mm. so um the intervention works give you a good understanding of what's happening and how you are actually going to like can cope more healthily and um, before you go into counseling counseling is more uh, it's more therapeutic and it's look at healing back layers um and how those can be come back together again i wouldn't peel back layers because i'm not a counselor so i i hear this sometimes about people who've had um trauma as a child and i think once again i've outside therapy counseling hypnotherapy nlp hypnosis all the many different layers of getting better but i think sometimes with counseling i think this is only my opinion sometimes like when you keep going over the trauma you're having to keep reliving it and sometimes i find that can in certain ways not it can do more damage than good to some people i think so does that make sense i think sometimes it's it's good to it's out there let's put a pin in it and now let's move towards getting better. Have I said that right? Yeah, and I think... It's an opinion. Yeah, I'd like to see no, what you say. I get that. And I think that's what's important when we say that we want to give people choice. Yes. So they can come in, they could do intervention work with a female, they yeah. could do intervention work with a male, or they might want to like do a couple of sessions with us, get that good grounding, and they might want to go into counselling. Yeah. They might not want to do counselling, and they might be interested in doing group work, yeah. which is where we'd look at our outdoor therapy yeah. with Luke. And I think that's that's kind of what, yeah, I get what you're saying, that some people don't like to keep telling the same story. So have to relive it over yeah, and over and over. Yeah, there's aims to that. And I think that's when we look at counselling and psychotherapy, psychotherapy tends to be more long-term, while counselling typically tends to be more in the short term and I think what we the the program that we run and we haven't actually named it yet although Woodblogs talk tends to be maybe on, on the yeah. cards it's kind of yeah so we, we've got kind of that there and what I think what it does is the therapeutic side of things is I think thing is mental health is a lot of people and I think we've been missold through a lot of kind of like glamorized versions of therapy like uh, people sitting in a settee and all of a sudden they have a massive revelation mm -hmm. it's this huge revelation that and people do get revelations you, mm -hmm. you you will um 
and I think, but we'll always go back into what um, kind of the existentialist call like your existential crisis that that time in your life, and you've probably been through it many times. Something happens, and you start to doubt. Uh, what's my meaning? What's my purpose? Am I doing things right? And I think when we talk about mental health, we should talk about like physical health. It's a long term mm. process. You, you know, we could, and, I, and some of the young people that I work with have always said that, you know, expect you're feeling great now, and that's great. But because they've turned around and said to me when they're in the um, younger years, I say, well, what happens later on down the line? We don't know. But what we can expect is maybe things aren't always going to be perfect mm. and that's okay the trick is is do you hold on to it like you've done for so long or do you seek help mm. quicker and so when people talk about resilience and grit or we'll use resilience as the word it's not about being able to not talk about it and get through it it's about being able to acknowledge your problem see what impact it's having on you and then work on it i mean and we all have our own mental health issues i've suffered with anxiety since i was 16. i've woke up in the night thinking i'm having a heart attack and i'm having a panic attack and those times and when when i was younger i just didn't deal with them right you know kind of ignored it and that that set me off on other pages now i go okay this is happening again I'm, I'm i'm hitting this point what are the things that before helped me get out of that mm. and it's more about how you get out of that spiral quickly before you really reach the bad part yeah. rather than just going oh you know cured it's very hard to cure someone being human and the human condition and buddhist terms i really like buddhas he said life is dukkha bad translation which means life is suffering it's not that it means life is often unsatisfactory life is not always as we would want it to be so how do we move around those kind of challenges and i think again when we're in the natural world you know when we're trying to light fires that's always a great example you can light a fire now it's going to be great tomorrow it's going to be raining Mm. you're saying gonna light anywhere near as quickly as you would want it to so how do you manage that what things do you need to support you to get that fire going again and i think when we're outdoors and doing the outdoor therapy it's kind of one of the one of the traps that we work with uh Tommy said nature's the greatest leveler mm. and it is because yeah. you're all in the same boat you know? as you said earlier off camera you said like sometimes like when you've gone out camping on your own yeah and you get lost it's frightening and he said that's like when you're lost spiritually when you're lost in the world yeah. when you're lost on your own and you haven't got someone to go it'll be all right mate you know when you ain't got someone to go it'll be all right yeah we're all right lee but you, when you're on your own you're left there in the dark on your own your mind plays off and it's well how about if that that's a wolf and how about if that owl gets me and how about if i fall down the hole and you might you catastrophize don't you it's very different when you're in the dark so i go wild camping a lot to reset because it's a i actually find it carbon now but when i first started it's different when you're right when you're with a friend so some noise happens an owl hoots or so you hear a noise that you're not sure about and you're like oh, what was that <laughs> nothing shine the torch nothing you're done i can't do that you know and you're on, you're on you go okay what is that oh what is that uh oh what, what is it mm. And then over time, once you understand what it is, so like we was talking about, you've heard foxes scream, it's terrifying. Mm. Imagine hearing that in the middle of the woods, five miles from your car, no no light whatsoever, you can't see your hands, it gets scarier. A barn owl coming in gets scarier. But when you start to understand what the noises are, actually they become part of what you like about going outdoors. And because you understand it, you overcome the fear quicker or you don't have the fear. Same with mental health. You can have that same 
lost feeling of loneliness sitting yeah. in your living room, can't you? You can. You I know can. that that barn owl, that fox in your mind, that that scary thought, that paranoia, that yeah. that self-loathing. We're using the outdoors as a as a thing to get everyone to understand. But you can get lost in your own head, in your own anywhere. We can get lost here now, can't we? Your head's a wilderness as much as the outdoors. Yeah, and I think like one thing that we're really big on, and it's like that that platform we're building on with intervention work is that resilience like how do we cope when we feel like that yes and i i really practice what i preach yeah. like if i can't look after myself how am i meant to help anyone else mm -hmm. like my my work is intense at times so um i will have days that i call depending on who i'm talking to i'll either call it like my self-love day or mm -hmm. it'll be my selfish sunday so sunday i will take three hours to myself my phone will be off everybody knows to leave me alone and i might take my dog for a walk or do anything in those three hours even read a book like outside in the when it's nice and sunny mm. but do things that make me feel relaxed and set me up for the week to begin i know by wednesday it's kind of like it's that hump day isn't it so mm. i need to check in on myself like am i okay am i feeling a bit stressed this week like what do i need to make myself feel better Thursdays I know I've got a great option with my friends um, that I've set up and we go to an exercise class which we're all like I'm shocking at but it's hilarious the entire time that we're there yeah, yeah. so I, I think it's really important to be able to kind of set these methods of self-care into place but it's learning about how to do that and when you do feel lost and you do feel in a dark place sometimes you just need that hand to actually pull you back and say mm. like you've got this like how about we try this how about we try that and it's like i say to my clients you know sometimes you're gonna think oh what are you chatting about today sam that's a load of rubbish that's brilliant tell me that mm. because i need to know what's working for you and everybody's so different like mm. me reading a book the next person could absolutely hate like some person could love going on a bicycle ride for miles would be my nightmare mm. so it's important about learning about what each other likes and and how we can use that to kind of cope and develop into resilience the best forms of self-care are things that we love doing and that we no longer realize are ways of coping because then it just becomes a way of life and it it becomes things that we love and it can really lift us up in it funny when you're a child you'll you'll be attracted to things you like whether it's painting mm. uh playing with your figures or whatever it is as we get old we move away from those things don't we yeah. we move away from just painting or paper mache mm. or play-doh or drawing or playing a harmonica and we get more fixated on staring at a screen but your phone knows what your voice is if you're a conspiracy theorist oh yeah well, the world's going to end or if you and it it attracts you to it doesn't it? so i think sometimes going to the open space of leaving the outside world yeah is great and you you sat there and when you're on holiday i used to do a lot of traveling when i was younger and I'd start thinking, oh, boxing, boxing. So, and by the end of the day, halfway through the day, I was actually thinking about what was important, mm. not what I should be thinking about. I, I was thinking about what was relevant. And I think it's that switch off, isn't it? Yeah, you're switching off. And I think it's a cliche saying like, uh, "There's no Wi-Fi in the outdoors, but you'll find a great connection." I think mm -hmm. it's a cliche, but there is a good saying in it because there is a different form of connection. It doesn't have to be outdoors; you can connect anywhere mm -hmm. with people. And I think that's one of the things where I don't know if I, you know, we can't speak for all men, but 
you know, it, it's one of the things that I kind of I find that men do struggle with is having your downtime, having those pamper days, if you want to call it that, mm. or the you time. And I don't know if that's because there's a kind of you talk about masculinity, there's a fixedness on oh well, I have to be fixing things, I have to be doing something, I have to be making sure that everything is okay, you know, the castle is in pristine condition. And it's kind of like that that dangerous thing when you get fixated on what you what people tell you should be rather than what you want to be. And there's a really good theory scored out in Goffman. He talks about um that he imagines the world as a stage and that we act out the parts we're expected to act out mm. and sometimes that's useful you know in my role i'm i'm a mental health professional i have to you know act out you know when i'm i'm in, I'm in certain environments i have to be professional and, and say things very measured and things like that but then you've also got to be who you are that backstage person you know mm. the person that does like to do silly things you know, I like to I like to do silly things. I my my my, my wife and daughter are happy Sam a prat. Yeah, that's okay. I don't, I, I don't mind being a prat. I you know because that's part of who I am. I am silly. And you're right. As children, we're drawn towards certain things. And there's a really good. I think it's an Irish playwright says, "We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing." Mm. And that's when you're starting to lose that downtime. But those playing is very important for your development to mm. help your brain grow. And love helps your brain grow. So being able to play and being around people where you can feel safe and secure, that that will help you as a person, whether you're male or female, or however you identify, those are the things that help develop you as a person and grow. As you said about the stage there, we we played the roles that we 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 think we're acting. Men, I'm strong, I'm a provider. Mm. So I, I play this role of being this man nothing bothering me, stiff up a lip chop yeah and i go and but really you if i break character what am i then and i found this in the lockdown with a lot of men it was all right bert what do you do for a living i'm a therapist what do you do i said so what do you do bert i'm a i identified by what i do mm. and when you took that away from me well what are you yeah well i'm out of work at the moment no but what are you I don't know. It's not like, what kind of person are you? Are you a good person? Are you a spiteful person? Are you a mean person? Are you a generous person? We identify, what's your name? My name's Kev Dillon. I'm a boxing coach. Yeah. When you take away boxing coach, well, who is Kev Dillon then? Hmm. Well, am I a daddy? Am I a stay at home? Then you have to really look at yourself then. And I think we identify with what we put out there. Sorry, Sam. I was just going to say, some of the questions that you ask yourself, like, am I a good person? Am I selfish? Like, they're really tough questions anybody can kind of ask themselves. And one thing that I always particularly notice when supporting people is how harsh we are on ourselves mm. as a person. Like, sometimes I'll say to people, like, if you was talking to a friend mm. who'd, who'd gone through your situation, mm. what would you be telling them now? Yes. Because it's totally the opposite of what we're telling ourselves. Mm. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we just we do need to have a word with ourselves when we're being hard on ourselves and remind ourselves that like we are worth this, that there is support out there. But like you say, it all kind of interlinks back into that stigma that's been surrounded by men of like you know their identities like i suppose when you look at it typically a woman stay is a stay-at-home mom and a, a father's got to go out and be a breadwinner and do all the work mm. so in society we automatically put those roles on people and, and we shouldn't 
And I think it's going to take time to kind of keep breaking down those barriers and of, of how we can work better and support people better. I think we all, sorry, yeah, I think we also ought to, as men, recognise what we are feeling in the moment. I, I remember going to a counsellor and, and one of the first things she asked me is, how did you feel about that? And it was about my daughter being in and out of hospital at the time, quite seriously ill. And I'd never really stopped to think about that. Even in the time that was happening, how do you feel? Not, not what happened, but how do you feel about yourself? And I couldn't, that was one of the hardest questions at the time that I, I couldn't answer. I didn't know how I felt about things because I'd never really stopped myself and, and thought, oh, oh, this is happening now. What, what's happening? What, how do you feel about that problem? You don't respond to it, do you? No, you don't. Some you might be able to tell me different, but he just put the cork in, like you said before, like traumatic things happened. I you wouldn't say it was all tra- traumatic, though, Kev. Like, even in general life, I never really stopped to think how I felt about things. Mm. It was always uh, kind of, um, I suppose, a logical brain. I didn't need to know how I felt about it. I needed to know how to get over it, over, you know, um, or deal with it or whatever. It was never really stopping and going, well, actually, that that there peed me off or that there made me happy or that situation there made me this. What is the study saying? A lot of men go on logical women go more mm. on emotion would you agree with that uh, men have more of a logical brain of well oh. callous poorly so i've got to go and get the other kid then i've got to go and get the shop and then I've, it's instead of stopping and thinking well bloody i'm my babies mm. and sometimes it's how people cope is by this is happening find a solution instead of just living in the emotion have I said that right? Do you understand I'll, I'll what I mean? I get it. I wouldn't like to comment on it too much because I've worked with so many different people. I just find everyone so so different. I find it hard to put anyone into. There's no right or wrong way, no, is there? Yeah. I, just, I mean, for me, it was just it was just a kind of the revelation point of it. Yeah. Not yeah. massive, but it was like, you know what? I ought to think about that more. When I'm in situations, how am I feeling about those situations? Not Not looking at how to solve it or how to do this or how to do that actually feel what's going on it's hard to say kind of where that comes from because uh, i mean if i look in my relationship actually my wife's far more logical i'm more emotional <laughs> it's an interesting we we actually we we kind of um we're against our stereo not against it like we're purposely thinking about it, but we, mm. we are she's very logical and rational yeah and i'm very more emotionally drawn i've kind of always been like that i think that kind of stereotypes that men are more logical it could be coming from like when when I was a kid, anyway, like lads didn't cry. Yeah, mm. It just didn't happen, so you just didn't do it. Um, and it's almost like where girls are encouraged to be more emotional, or worse, sometimes they're they're seen as well. They're just being emotional and hysterical, and then mm. their emotions are ignored in that way. So there's so many ways in which we can to unpick that being absolute. Mm. I think Act, psychology the role. It's yeah. always having a nightmare yeah. of it now. It is a lot about acting roles, and I think. We had a conversation not long ago about masks. So everyone wears these mm. these masks. And your mask can be quite useful. You mm. know, you, you put in a mask because you're kept the boxes. So you've got to train children. Some of you say yeah. sometimes some of the lads that you work with quite hard. So you might have to put on that mask of, you know, I'm gonna be nurturing, but there's also gonna be a bit of a hmm, stern word here. We need these, yeah. we need these boundaries. And that's fine. I think the problem that we have, and I think men have it and women have it, is eventually the mask starts to constrain mm. you said it the other day and i remember like jim carrey with the mask and the mask mm. started to take over mm. and that's when things start to become very problematic when we think well that's that's me that's who i am that's only how i can be mm. then it becomes constraining 
and then he starts to cut off other potential avenues for you as a person because now all of a sudden this mass that you could take off freely is now starting to become grayed into who you are and then you struggle to take it off you're faking until you make it and that making it has made you into something you weren't originally and maybe you're not happy about that no you're not. back to our Jungians kind of thing that shadow side that we don't want to face everyone has to do it man or woman we, we all have to do that however you identify and i think that's that's the thing sometimes we think that that's who we are or we present so much that that's who we are we fake it until we make it and then we realize where we made it's not actually where we wanted to be and it's like ow we had someone on called uh, Cherry Gilling, one of my mm. favourite women in the world, lovely, and she's suffered with addiction. And mm. She said, the only way I could describe it, Kev, I was driving a car and the house was on fire behind me. And I keep looking at the fire behind me. And more I looked at the fire, more I was crashing into stuff. In one until I stopped the car and dealt with the fire behind me until I could drive smoothly. Yeah, and I yeah. thought that was such a great analogy of it. Mm. And it's so true. More we focus on the past and the pain and the fire and the heat behind us. We can't look forwards. No, it, it becomes that kind of like proverbial monkey on your back that, you know, until you get it off, it's going to cause you problems. And, that, and I think that's where it's important for groups like this to happen for men and women. But as we focus on men, I think having groups where there's a variety of stuff going on. So the thing is, as well, like we say, if we go back to the idea of well, men don't always talk very much or they're, they're kind of uncomfortable talking. Mm. You know, as we were talking about earlier, you, you have those circles and stuff, right? And there is a great there's definitely a place for those one of the things that i kind of like about how we operate is that you have what 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 I, i've called off ramps lately mm. that so we could be around the fire talking it could be a very serious conversation and some some people in there might not be comfortable to that but they've got a few off ramps actually they actually don't even need to walk out a circle but one of them is i'll walk out a circle and get the firewood mm. the other one is i'm gonna sit here but i'm gonna start whittling a bit mm. i'm gonna be a part of the conversation but i'm not i can't engage in it too deeply in mm. the moment and then for some people it's just sitting there and listening mm. that's their off ramp then after engaging it and some people are on the ramp they're mm. they're there they're ready they want to talk and they're fully engaged in the conversation but what is happening all over the place is psychologically things are moving mm. things are happening and so then later we might come back to the conversations and someone will maybe put a word in there or maybe a few sentences and it's like we say it's that time together where we can kind of try out new masks, new new kind of ways of engaging, which start to the healing process and the growth. And it's quite important for everyone, but for men, certainly those off ramps are useful. You've said it before, this like when you're in the boxing gym or on a football pitch or often we you're around like minded people, so you've got something in common. Yeah. You know what I mean? If anything, it's like, oh, did you see the boxing on the weekend? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, oh, can you show me how to light that fire? You've got a common ground. What you got the common ground? Uh, Luke, can you come and show me how to do this fire? You know what you were saying earlier? I didn't feel safe enough to say it around the others, but the convert, you you give me a way of putting you to a side to have a conversation with you, haven't you? Yeah, without it being kind of obvious that like I need to have a conversation. Yeah, it can be much more, we're going down to that much more natural way of being, you know, kind of how people kind of do move in those spaces. And space is something that I like in my own research. I love space. This is a space right now. Mm. So in the space that we're in is allowing us to have this conversation. There's a few things that's happening there. Is that one, I'm quite comfortable to feel, I'm quite warm. You see, it's really relaxing here. <laughs> uh, but to, two, I know Sammy. So coming with Sammy is really good for me because Sammy's going to be my support on this. Yeah. But then talking to you two and how you engage with us and how you set up this room it works really well. So the environment now in which we're in is conducive for us to grow and develop. 
because the environment has been created by all of us and we're all okay in this environment. That's the same when we're out in the woodlands or any group. We're in the woodland, I always go, okay then, it's not my environment, it's our environment, but how does it become our environment? And that's kind of those unwritten rules that kind of surround. So sometimes it's, we have the fire over here. Oh, this hammocks when we sit in that because we want to talk and don't want to talk to anybody else. I'm going to go over here because I need my downtime. <coughs> I think, um, yeah, certainly environment plays a key in people wanting to discuss. We, we found that um, we do um, talks up and down the country in, in building sites. And we found that there really you have to you when you go in there you have to create a vine very similar to what you were saying earlier there's no point in us to go into a building site in in shirts and ties and suits and because we're talking to builders we're talking to the salt of the earth the people who you know who get their hands dirty every day so if we turn up like that and we go we take them into a, an office room and and then and then try and teach them which we don't do we just tell our story we say look we've struggled you're, you're open up and we'll get people in that conversation then who will open up to us yeah because we're on the same level yeah and they're comfortable to do that we're not showing graphs we're not yeah <laughs> we're not we're not powerpointing them we're not it's not a lecture it's having a chat some people they'll engage and you'll get a great conversation other people after it they'll they'll pull you aside then and won't they and they'll wait till people have gone and say you know what this has happened to me, you know, and and they'll talk to them. And it's where they feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, it's um, that confidence. Yeah, it, isn't it really? Yeah, and it's about creating that environment to make people comfortable to talk. Well, it's got to be said, the power of space is something I haven't really thought about that much of. But as you say, when people don't feel safe in the space of the classroom, yeah, or they don't feel safe in the space of home, yeah, and they're especially your home or wherever or work, especially your home, that's where you should feel safe. That yeah. is your home, whether you're a child, a man, a woman, whatever. And when someone takes away the the peace of that space, it is petrifying and so uncomfortable. But it, it, so we did it similar to this here. So when we originally started, we were downstairs in the box in club on a sofa with the laptop and none of these mics were in front of us. We did on our laptop with, you know, with a microphone on the table that you didn't really notice was there would you or on or on kev's phone and when we originally set up as a studio because we wanted better sound quality more than anything and and be able to to film it across various platforms we had a desk here didn't we and, yeah and it's like was at a press conference i kept saying to kev like at the time <coughs> it doesn't feel natural to have a conversation number one we weren't facing the people we're talking to yeah. they were at the side of us and and yeah. Straight away, you 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 know you you felt like you was a newsreader. I said, we've got yeah. to change that environment. So hence we come up with some comfy sofas, sit down. As much I'd love to these to be honest to be even less in your face. And also this is a, one of one of the reasons we have the TV there is because obviously I've got to see it and see what's going on. Yeah. But also you don't see it, so it doesn't put you off. You, uh, off yeah, yeah, because we're we're we get used to having that TV there, and it doesn't stop our conversation. But yeah. people who are not used to it it would be distracting to have a TV. Oh, yeah, I think for me, if someone like me, I'm, I'm all over the place. So mm. I think going back to kind of the space thing as well is what, why, why it kind of works is that you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Well, you know, if, if something's happening in your home or somewhere, that forms part of your trauma. And I was working with one young person whose mum turned around after, and it kind of hit, hit the nail. It's kind of like, it was it was something I never, I'd never thought of. Um, and it was that she said, oh, it's great being out here, that, that you're working out here. And we're, in, we're in this place where there's just deer that runs through mm. and there's peregrine falcons. 
And um, I was like, okay, well, what is it that, about the environment that you think? She says, well, he's been in loads of rooms, hasn't he? Mm. And, you know, what, what happened to him? He's, the interview rooms were white rooms. Mm. His counselling rooms were white rooms. He's been in all those. So mm. for me, I don't know if the rooms formed part of his trauma, whereas here, mm. there's a freedom. There is something. And then for, for someone, for that particular young person, that works. But then again, for someone who may have been a refugee, being under a tarpaulin it might not be what they would want. Mm. So it really does come down to individual preference. I think when we're setting up, when me and Sammy do this work together and ask Mark, we, we do look at who would benefit from that environment. It's not everyone. I like could do something else. Like mm. it. And, and that's the thing. So I think environment setting it up is so important. I think it also gives you, in a room, you are, you, 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 in this essence caged into that room whereas when you've got open space ranger yeah you, you can move away from people you know you can, <coughs> you, you know, you can yeah you're so just you're just, just swinging yeah. yeah you're just moving mm -hmm. and that's great and i know that a lot of uh young people that i work with who have been diagnosed with adhd you can't really see it outside because they're moving so much yeah. mm. um and it works for them sort of thing so i think it's different it's just different ways of engaging isn't it yeah and i think like one of the things i find so powerful about the groups is for everyone who's been to the groups they've all been through a similar trauma mm. different mm. and individual to themselves but similar and i think it's so powerful in what we we're saying earlier of knowing that you're not alone mm. like in groups there can be various ages um ethnicities and I think that's really important, like you were saying at the beginning, just knowing that what happened to you isn't normal, mm. but the trauma that you're going through is, mm. and that you're not alone in that trauma. Mm. I think that's one of the key points we took away from when we was doing that support group, wasn't it? That yeah. um, there's many different people from different backgrounds in there, um, but you could guarantee you'd find someone who's who's experienced something similar to you and then they're, they're also able to then offer advice especially for myself with a disabled daughter we had we had a few people with disabled children in there and they can offer advice to help you through those mm. things not just mentally but also actually the practicalities of looking after someone with disabled daughter and it does having someone there i've, I've done therapy um conventional therapy with with a, a lady and i never felt like that really the nail on the head because you don't get a lot back from a therapist usually mm. you know you don't get to hear their life story so you don't mm. really know whether they're relating to what you're saying or they understand what you're saying whereas yeah. if you're speaking to someone who's been through something similar you do you do get that connection of oh that that they've actually been through this or it could be that they've not only been through this they're further ahead of me and i can kind of see if i stay on this path yeah i can be where they where they they are now and the thing is interesting, a couple of things you kind of hit there, I think work is one, they've been through it. So it's a sense of community. Mm. Community, we don't talk about community that much anymore, but it's, it's vital so for powerful. any sort of any sort of well-being. Um, I did, when I did a piece of research on the impacts of forest school for emotional health, I, I titled it initially Hot Chocolate with My Friends because one of the people I interviewed, a little girl, I never met her, but she, she said that my favourite time is when we all sit around in a circle and we have hot chocolate with my friends because mm. that's when I feel calm. Yeah. And I think that is important. And like you say, mm. for some people, maybe therapy doesn't work. A lot of therapies, like saying, oh, you don't self-disclose. But then there's been some research that says when, when therapists do self-disclose, it makes a powerful connection, mm. which actually enables the therapy to move forward quite well but it's it's 
it's a contentious subject among, <laughs> among the field, so I won't get into it here. Like, but I think where different you're strokes saying different that, folks. Yeah, it yeah, is, definitely. it is, and and I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of why I like working with um, Black Country and Zay Nasmark is that kind of they realise that actually, if you go and help somebody, yeah, it's not it's not as simple as a one size fits all. Yeah, you need you need when you paint when you paint on a canvas. You know, black and white is great for some people. Mm. Other people want colour. Yeah. Other people want variety. They want mess. They want chaos or they want it pristine. So either way, I think what is important when we're looking at working with people is working with the fact that everybody's going to come with something different and want something different out of it, want it to be in a different way. I was trained as a therapist when I was first trained. It was kind of like you'd be sitting down in a certain way, you know, kind of like this, and you'd be leaning forward. Yeah. I work with children a lot. And so now my therapy is I have two hammocks. We might be lying in that hammock and just talking as we swing. Yeah. And it works because for them, that's where they feel comfortable. Yeah. And that's the key is creating environments where people want to be there and they actually want to have that conversation with you. I think that's a great way of finishing. Have you got any big events coming up either of you through either of um, either? Oh, I believe Black Country Women's Aid have, but I don't know the exact um, details about it. It's I believe it's about a park run, and it's to help raise funds for children in refuge to get counselling. Um, so you could check it out on their Facebook or Instagram page. Lovely. Have you got a contact number for Asmark off the top of your head? Not off the top of my Don't head. We've, we've got uh, ask, ask Mark scrolling across the bottom there. You okay. go on the website and no date the contact number will be, be on there. <laughs> well, before we go, have you got any quotes or sayings? I'll ask you first, Luke. You've struck me someone who's got a few. Any quotes or sayings that have helped to get through life or any from your organisation? There's a quote. Oh, God, yeah. I've been, I've been reading a lot up on um, kind of stoic philosophy lately, so I kind of go down that route. And Marcus Aurelius once said, and I think I used it for Asmar, so it works well, is um, give yourself the gift of the present. And it kind of goes back to just give yourself that time to be in that moment to actually exist without any sort of expectation. And you, Sammy? Organisation-wise, we have, we listen, we support and we care. Um, don't deal with it alone. I think personal-wise, I always remind myself any small act of kindness could change someone's life. Mm. You never know what hides behind a smile, so that act could change someone's life in that day. Well, thank you. Make sure you go and follow them both on social media. If you need help and you don't know where to find them, contact us on one of our zillion platforms <laughs> and we'll try our best to point you in the way. So, guys, thank you ever so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, we're on the radio this Thursday, as always, 7 till 9 on Black Country Extra. And we're here next week talking about the uncomfortable subject that is death. But quite frankly, it's going to happen to us all. So we've got two wonderful people coming on and talking about something that's going to happen to all of us. But until then, I want you all to take care of yourselves and each other. to a bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra-ra-bit. Listen, listen, listen.